Hey, good evening. Thanks for joining us tonight here at St. Matthew's for our online Bible study. It's good to um, be with you virtually. I hope you're uh, enjoying these these last four weeks on evangelism. We'll wrap up our series on evangelism tonight. So I hope this has been a blessing to you. You can go back and watch any of these uh, anytime at our website. Um, just go to our website and click on the link that says media. And on media, you'll see a link that says Bible study. You can go back and watch any of these previous Bible studies. That's where they live at. So I would encourage you, if you've uh, enjoyed our talks on evangelism, to go back and watch that and, uh, and, uh, and really think about what we mean when we talk about evangelism and how we can, how we can do evangelism in the life of our church, in the life of our community, all together. So thanks for watching these. And I'll start next week. We will not have an online Bible study because next week, Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, so we're going to have uh, services. We'll have uh, we'll we'll be getting, letting you know our in-person plans next day or so. But we're going to have some in-person options. We'll have an online Ash Wednesday service, and I have some exciting things happening on Ash Wednesday, and then the following weeks on Sundays during Lent moving forward. And um, within that, on our Wednesday night Bible study, what I'm going to do is I'm really feeling I'm really feeling I mean I'm sound like a crazy preacher man here. But I'm really feeling called um, to encourage our church to take care, of, to, 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 to live out some shared Lenten disciplines. And one of the things that I'm going to encourage our church to do during the season of Lent is going to be to fast. And so um, we're going to have some studies the coming weeks on Wednesday night on fasting. Why we fast, how we fast, things such as that. So I would invite you to continue uh, being part of our Wednesday night Bible study in the coming weeks as we talk about fasting and what it means to our faith, what it means to our life. So I would encourage you to be part of that starting not next week, because next week, like I said, will be our um, Ash Wednesday service, but follow starting the following week as we, uh, so I guess that would be the 24th, we'll start our series on fasting during this Lenten season as we as a church live this out together. Um, today we're going to wrap up our evangelism talk. First week, if you just a quick recap, week one we talked about the importance of telling our story and of our testimony. Uh, week two we talked about uh, how we can use the Book of Romans as a helpful tool to share the gospel with others. Last week we talked about we looked at Paul and his life and how Paul had all the opportunities in his life to share his story um, with with everyone. And so um, though, that's kind of where we've been. Today, I want to hit upon um, my favorite, my, probably my, well, I don't know, one of my two favorite books in the Bible. Um, my favorite book in the Bible is Romans. And my second favorite book is really a tie between the Gospel of Matthew, because I just love Matthew's Gospel, and the book of James. And so we're going to talk today about what James can show us about evangelism. Because we're going to talk today about the necessity of our works matching our beliefs and matching our, our words. There is, in the life of the church, two, um, there's a, a concept you may be familiar with called orthodoxy and a concept called heresy. Orthodoxy means correct doctrine, uh, believing the right things. Heresy is believing incorrect doctrine. So starting uh, and during Lent, we're going to be looking at the Apostles' Creed during our worship services. At the, the Apostles' Creed is a perfect symbol and sign and teaching tool for Orthodox Christian belief. 
This is what we Christians believe. This is what Christians have believed throughout the centuries. This is our teaching that is, we believe that is truth, orthodoxy. So that is the correct teaching of the church. Heresy is incorrect teaching. Heresy is doctrine that is wrong. So uh, we believe in a, the, 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 the two, if you look in church history, uh, to the first three centuries of the church, the two dominant um, uh, really issues that the church hammered out early on were the nature of who Jesus Christ is and the nature of the Trinity. Those were the two. You go back and look at the construction of the Nicene Creed especially. And that's what if you read the Nicene Creed, which is Creed number, I think it's 880 in our hymnal. Um, it spends a lot of time discussing who Jesus is. We believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, true God from true God, light from light, eternally begotten of the Father, not made, of one being with the Father. You see so much emphasis in the early church placed upon who Jesus was, his humanity and his divinity. So those are key points in the early church. The second really key point, and within that, the resurrection, I mean, just the, the life, the death, the teachings, the crucifixion, the resurrection, the return of Christ is key preeminent almost. But secondarily, and, and really part of the same cloth as who Jesus is, is the nature of the Holy Trinity. You see so much teaching and struggling and conversating about who Jesus is. So I'll give you a perfect example uh, of what, what this means is one of the, the, the things that we Protestants struggle with with our Catholic friends is the veneration of Mary. Uh, we, we feel like it's often too much. But if you go back and look at the early church, one of the reasons why Mary is venerated so much is because it was established early on that Mary was, the word they use is Theotokos, the mother of God. Mary's veneration emerges from understanding, from the understanding that Jesus Christ was God, that he was not just some man born of a regular woman, but he was born divine. He was fully human, but also fully God. So Mary's veneration or exaltation really flows from the establishment of the nature of who Jesus Christ is. That, those two things fit together in that way. Okay, that's where, that's where our Catholic friends get, get much of that teaching from, or much of that belief from. So orthodoxy centers on, I would say the creeds for us that are Methodists, I would say especially the Nicene Creed and then the Apostles' Creed are really kind of our two um, boundaries of orthodox thought, if you will. Heresy would be any teaching outside of that. So teaching that Jesus Christ wasn't fully God or fully, wasn't fully divine or wasn't fully human. That, that's heresy. That's not correct teaching. Uh, teaching, Christ, teaching that Jesus did not physically uh, die on the cross, did not physically return. Well, that's heresy. That's not the teachings of the church. Teaching that he would not return, that's heresy. Um, the same thing with the Trinity. To, to, to not believe in the triune nature of God. And there are, there are different, there's a real funny video that a lot of people share on St. Patrick's Day about the, the, the mistakes we make when trying to describe the Trinity, that if we try too hard, eventually it just descends into heresy, technically. So um, that's, that's very important, orthodoxy and the, the distinction between orthodoxy and heresy. Why am I telling you this about evangelism? Well, first off, it's important for us to know what we witness about. It's important for us to witness to the Orthodox Christian faith. It's important that, we, that if, we're going to, if we're going to bring people into the church, 
into the relationship with, relationship with Jesus. We want them to have a correct understanding of who God is. So orthodoxy really does go hand in glove with evangelism because we want our orthodox Christian faith to grow. We don't want to grow her heresy. We want to grow orthodoxy. So that's part of it. But the second thing is that orthodoxy produces something. Orthodoxy produces orthopraxy. Right doctrine produces right living. Orthodoxy, right doctrine, orthopraxy, right living. Just like there's the opposite of uh, orthodoxy with heresy, there's, uh, uh, there is, there's also incorrect living. Um, living not in the appropriate way that God would have us to live. Right doctrine produces right living. Wrong doctrine produces wrong living. Okay. So James can often be taken the wrong way by some people. Some Christians don't like James because James focuses almost exclusively on orthopraxy. He focuses almost exclusively on orthopraxy, on right living. And this is why. James is not necessarily a book of evangelism in the same way that some of Paul's letters are. Um, Paul spends a lot of his time trying to convince folks to be Christian or explaining Christian doctrine to people. James is not doing that. James assumes you've already got correct doctrine. James assumes you've already got, uh, you've already got correct belief. James assumes you've already have followed Christ. James is a book that is not written to unbelievers. James is a book that is written to believers, to those who know the gospel, to those who are Christian. So James is going to speak to those of us that are Christian a little bit differently than he would speak to a room that wasn't Christian. James is making some baseline assumptions on orthodoxy. He's making some baseline assumptions on the Christianity of the hearers. He's assuming we're already Christian. So then, James really really hits upon us remembering what it is we're supposed to, who we're supposed to be and living out what we're supposed to live. Um, and so I want to talk today about, about the importance of, um, of good works in, 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 a lot, in the life of, our, in the life of our, um, our faith and how that works with evangelism. Um, so really what I want to, what I want to um, focus on is... Um, is the end of, uh, 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 I'm going to talk about James, the end of chapter 1, um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll slide into chapter 2 from there. Chapter 1, this is a passage you've probably heard many times, James 1, 26 through 27. If anything they are religious and do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. And then I want to read to you from um, some parts of chapter 2 where uh, it says, uh, verse 8 says, You do well if you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Then verse, four, 20, verse 14 says, um, What good is it to say, my brothers and sisters, if you, ha if you say you have faith but do not have works, can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, of what good is that? So faith itself, if it has no works, is dead. 
Okay, see, that, that's where we have to talk about James and the seeming conflict between him and Paul. Because Paul says we're saved, by, we're saved by grace through grace. We're saved by grace through faith. We're saved by by, by saved by faith. We're saved by faith uh, and faith alone. Saved by grace through faith, with no one can boast. But here he says, um, so by faith, faith by itself, if it has no works, it's dead. But someone say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my work. By my works, I will show you my faith. There's the key. You you believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown apart, shown you senseless person that, that faith apart from works is barren? Was not our ancestor Abraham justified by works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that our faith was active among, along with his works. That faith was brought to completion by his works. The scripture was fulfilled when it said, Abraham believed God and that was reckoned to him as righteousness. He was called a friend of God. You see, a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Likewise, was not Rahab the prostitute also justified by works when she welcomed the messengers and sent them out by another road? For just the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. Okay, let's unpack what he's talking about here and then unpack what that means for evangelism. What he's talking about here is this. He's not, he, we like to make distinctions. The way that our Western world functions, think about how, think about how one gets a PhD in the Western world, particularly in America. The PhD is not necessarily a broad sweep. I mean, you have to have a, you have to have a broad understanding of a subject, but your PhD thesis, your, your, your doctoral work is going to be fixated upon a small something that is unique, that stands alone, and that is singular in some ways. You don't want your PhD, you don't want your, you don't want your, 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 your doctoral work to be too broad. You want it to be pretty narrow. We like to break things apart and look at the particular and the philosophical understanding, we're Aristotelian. We like the particulars. We like the small. We, we like the details. We like the individual. Okay. So we want to break apart faith and works. Well, if you do works, uh, so right here, James is teaching heresy. He's saying you're saved by not by faith, but you're saved by your works. Where Paul says over and over in Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Romans, we're saved by grace through faith, lest no one can boast. And here's James saying, no, 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 you're saved by your works. That's heresy. That's wrong. Let's take this out of the Bible. When we do that, we are pulling them apart in a way that God does not intend. Because what does James say here? He says in verse 18, but some will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. And by my works, I will show you my faith. James is not saying, James is not saying that faith is unimportant or that we're saved by works. What James is saying is that our works show our faith. So we know that Abraham had faith. How do we know that Abraham had faith? Not just that he said he had faith, but that he was willing to sacrifice his son. We know that Rahab had faith, not just because she said she had faith, but because she hid the spies. So our faith and our works, once again, fit together. They're not working against each other. And to pull them apart and to make them too minute is to miss the point. Faith and works should not be separated. Faith and works should be lived out together. That's what James is trying to teach us. So when we understand the audience that James is speaking to, we understand what James is talking about, we understand how his words make sense in light of the totality of Scripture. James is not rowing against Paul. James and Paul are rowing together. Paul is emphasizing the grace that saves you. James is showing what a saved life looks like. 
James is showing us when someone who is saved, when someone who's a Christian, what their life should look like and what they should be like. That, that's where James is going in this passage. Okay. What's that got to do with, got to do with evangelism? You show me your faith, I'll show you my works. The Bible teaches us that we were prepared for good works. And Jesus in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, says this. Let me, uh, let me, let me, let me pull this passage out to you. Where G- Jesus tells us that we are to... Uh, to uh, do our good works before, before men, that they may give glory to our Father in heaven above. Let your light shine before all men, that they may give glory to your Father above. Verse, uh, verse 16, Matthew 5, 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Matthew 5, 16. Our works don't save us. Our works don't even make us holy. Faith saves us. Faith makes us holy. But our works enable others to give glory to God. Just as our verbal testimony, as we said in week one, the devil's defeated by the blood of the lamb and the power of their testimony. We think often of our verbal testimony me giving witness verbally to what God has done. And that's important, and we should do it. And sometimes we shy away from that, and sometimes that's hard, and sometimes we don't do it like we ought to. So, yes, we should verbally testify to what God has done. But what James is telling us echoes what Jesus says, where Jesus says, let your good works shine before men, that they may give glory to the Father in heaven. As James says at the end of chapter 1. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. You show me your faith, I'll show you my works. Our works, in many ways, are active testimonies to our faith. And just as a verbal testimony is supposed to tell of the redemptive power of God in our life, and how God has saved us, and how God is saving us and changing us and sanctifying us, so do our physical acts, our physical works. We work in the same way. This to me always goes back to First Peter. That verse, you know, I've heard you, you've heard me say a million times, always be ready to give a defense for the hope that you have. Our lives, our works should be in such a way that they're so different that it gives glory to God and makes others want to know who we are. Our faith, our works are our active testimony. And our active testimony gives way to our verbal testimony. Because here's the thing. Our verbal testimony, apart from an active testimony, is not going to carry much weight. Because I can tell you all day long I love Jesus. I can tell you all day long I love Jesus. But if my life gives you no indication of the fact that I love Jesus, are you going to listen to a single word that I say? No, you're not. Because I've shown through my actions, I've shown through my works, that I don't really believe what I'm saying. Because as James says today, 
You believe that God is one, you do well, the devil believes. My belief is shown out by my actions. So I think that means that if we think, so here's the question I always ask. Is do we believe that Jesus makes a difference? Do we really believe that Jesus makes a difference in someone's life? That's That's a question we have to answer for all of us. Do we really think that Jesus makes a difference? If you don't think Jesus makes a difference, then really you can live your life as you want. But I don't think most of us believe that. I think most of us believe that Jesus does make a difference. So, if Jesus makes a difference in your life, there's a couple things we have to consider. First, if we believe that Jesus does make a difference in someone's life, regarding evangelism or regarding other things, if you really, if you really believe that Jesus makes a difference in someone's life, how can you expect someone who doesn't know Jesus to act like someone who does? We can't, sometimes we get so mad at lost folk for acting like lost folk that we don't love them. And so we have to ask ourselves, do we really believe that Jesus makes a difference in our lives? And if we believe that, then that's going to change the way we look at other people and how we interact with other people and how we speak to other people and how we, how we think about other people. Does Jesus make a difference in our life? If he does, it's going to change the way we look at other people. But secondarily, it's going to change the way we treat other people. Because if Jesus makes a difference, then I want you to know Jesus. I think Jesus will make a difference in your life as well. He makes a difference in my life. I think he'll make a difference in your life. I think he'll make a difference for you. I think he can change your life. And so I want you then to know that. Just as I want you to know about, know about everything else, I want you to know about Jesus. And I think, I think it's important. Y'all, I think it's so important for us to model in our life the difference that Jesus makes. I think our works model for others the difference that Jesus makes in our life and in the sake of the world. So our good works show to others that God's made a difference in our life. Our good works show to others that they have worth. In James, he says, if you see your brother hungry or or, or naked and say, hey, go get a sandwich, go put on some clothes, why are they going to care about what you said? When we show others that they have worth through our kindness, through our service, through our actions, we're showing them that they have worth. We're showing them that, that not just that Jesus, that not just that we care about them, but that Jesus cares about them. And as me, as an ambassador of Christ, as a servant of Christ, as a member of his family, when I show you his kindness and his worth, it shows that I love you, but it shows more importantly that he loves you. Our, our orthodoxy, apart from our orthopraxy, doesn't change much. And in many ways, our orthopraxy, if we don't live it out, hinders the cause of our orthodoxy. If I tell you all day long that Jesus loves you, and he wants to save you, and that I don't love you, and I don't make an effort to tell you about Jesus in my life and my, my, how I treat you, then you're not going to care about what I say. So for me, I believe truly, this is my opinion, but I think it's right. 
the most powerful tool that we have for evangelism is our, our, our relationships. Because when we form relationships with people, we show them that they, that they matter. We show them that they count. We show them that, that, they, that they have worth and that we love them and that God loves them. Because I think there's a whole lot of folk out there right now, y'all, that don't feel loved. They don't feel like they matter. They feel like they don't have a place. Feel like they don't have a they don't have, they don't have they don't have a place to fit in. They don't have a place they belong. And it's up to us to 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 share that with them. It's up to us to teach that with them. Teach that to them. It's up to us to teach that to them, not just with our words, but to teach them teach that to them with our actions. Because if our actions don't match our words, then our actions invalidate our words. James reminds us that our actions might be the greatest tool that we have to proclaim the gospel. Because if our words and our actions don't meet, then people aren't going to care about our words. But if our words and our actions do meet, if our words and our actions do match up, if our words and our actions are on the same page, then we'll change the world. And that's our job, y'all, to change the world, to make transformation, to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. That's our goal, y'all. That's what we're put here to do. And that starts with us knowing God. We can't give witness to what we don't know. And then us telling others about it. So maybe we tell others about Jesus with our life. Maybe we tell others about, uh, about Jesus with our words. Maybe we tell others about Jesus with all that we are. And when we do that, when we live that out, I truly believe, y'all, that we'll make a huge difference. So I invite you, friends, in closing, that's what I want you to do. This is your homework. I want you to think about in your life who you don't know, who you know, who doesn't know Jesus. Who is it in your life that doesn't know Jesus? Who doesn't know Jesus in your life? We've all got somebody else. Well, okay. If you don't know a soul who doesn't know Jesus, you need to meet somebody that doesn't know Jesus. I think one of the problems we get ourselves to as Christians is that we don't know lost folk. We only hang out with Christians. And if we only hang out with Christians, then we can't really spread the gospel, can we? We find ourselves preaching to the choir more than sharing the good news with the lost. So first in your life, who doesn't know Jesus? If you don't, have, if you don't know why they don't know Jesus, make some friends who don't know Jesus. I want you to pray for them. I want you to pray for them every day. I've got my, I've got my, I've shared it with you before. I think I've got, I've got my, uh, my prayer list in my back pocket. I keep with me, my little notebook. I want you to pray for them. And I want you to find ways to serve them, to show authentic friendship and relationship to them. And then I want you to pray for the Holy Spirit to open up an opportunity for you to share your faith with them. Not in a condescending way, not in an arrogant way, but in a humble, Christ-like, loving way. And then I want you to get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit do its job. Because he will be the one who saves. And he will be the one who convicts. We don't save a soul. We're simply messengers. So that's your homework, friends. By the way, this homework never ends. This, this is your homework for the rest of your life. <laughs> this is your homework as long as you're breathing God's air. Who doesn't know Jesus?
Pray for, them, pray for them sincerely. Look for ways to serve them. And look for ways to share with them about Jesus Christ. Hey, I love you guys. Praying for you. Thanks for watching this. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. Like I said, you can go back and watch these in the, these previous week's studies. And um, I'd invite you to do that. And I'll uh, be with us next Wednesday for Ash Wednesday, either in person or online. And then uh, join us for worship in the coming days and join us for our study on fasting during the season of Lent. Thanks for watching this. I've really enjoyed it and I hope that you have too. Have a great night.